Good morning, everyone. Good morning. All right, we're going to be reading from Proverbs chapter 3, verses 1 through 15. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 1 through 15. My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and good name in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him, and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring your health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with your first fruits of all your crops, then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not re resent his rebuke, because the Lord disciplines those he loves. As a father, the son he delights in. Blessed are those who find wisdom, those who gain understanding. For she is more profitable than silver and yields better return than gold. She is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. Let us say our Bible subscription together. Lord, we, we honor, honor your, your word, word to us. May, May your truth become our heart's pursuit and our life's pride. Amen. Thank you, Paul. I appreciate it. Can we give Paul a hand? Thank you so much, Paul. I told you the first time that you did the scripture reading, you'd made a huge error, and that was that you did a good job on it, so you were going to get put to work. That was kind of how it goes, so I thank you for that, and thank you for being so willing each and every week, brother. Thank you. God bless you. All right. Well, everyone, if you'll just keep your Bibles open to that passage in Proverbs chapter 3, I'm going to be referring to that, be speaking a little bit about that, and sharing some things and observations from Proverbs chapter 3. Let's go to our first slide, and this is great. Um, this is a young Billy Graham here, and he says, a good father is one of the most unsung, unpraised, unnoticed, and yet one of the most valuable assets in our society. How many of you guys know what the biggest day of the Christian calendar is all year long? Give it a little bit of thought. Not a trick question. Y'all know what the biggest attendance day is on the, very, uh, on the Christian calendar? The very largest attendance each and every day happen, or each and every year happens on what? Easter Sunday. That's right. Do you guys know what the second biggest day is? Christmas, right? We call them CEOs, folks that only show up for Christmas and Easter only. So that's right. You know, we call them CEOs. Um, that's, that's pastors, so y'all pray for us. We're not always really nice. That's just the way it goes, but they call them CEOs. Um, but did you know what the third largest day of the entire Christian calendar all year long is? It's Mother's Day. Unfortunately, Father's Day isn't anywhere close to the top. You know, I think in our world, we have devalued fathers. 
And the things that I'm going to say today, I'm going to be pointing to the fathers, but the crazy thing is, is that these actually work for mothers as well. So moms, if you're here, um, that's great. But I also know that many times whenever I'm speaking on a Father's Day, I'm speaking to folks that have every you know, spot in the spectrum. Some who hear about a good, good father and pray to the heavenly father, and it, it's, just, it's this idea of, oh, my dad was a great dad, and so when you talk about a heavenly father, it draws me into him. It's the word picture that helps me to understand who he is and how he loves me and how he cares about me. But then all the way on the other end of the spectrum, you have people who come, and when I say, you need to love your heavenly father or your heavenly father loves you, it's almost like on the total other end of the spectrum where some people say, I had a father, but the word love never entered into it, right? And so it's a difficult day because honestly, this is one of those days where you have a, a father who loves for some and a father who did, did not or does not show it in a healthy way on the other end of the spectrum. And so when we talk about fathers today, I'm not trying to gloss over the fact that sometimes we men have shirked the responsibility. And, and I love it when I have a guy that comes and tells me, you, you need to tell my wife that uh, she needs to submit to me because I'm the head of the household. I've read the Bible. And I'm like, well, did you also read that part where it says, fathers, love your, love your wives as Christ loved the church and laid himself down for it, you know? Because we want to pick and choose about stuff sometimes. The truth of the matter is, is that men... I feel like what we ought to do is we ought to be living in such a way that we don't have to demand respect, but it is automatically given because of the effort that we are making to be the best that we possibly can be. And another thing that pastors sometimes say is we praise and praise and praise the mothers on, uh, on Mother's Day, and then on Father's Day, we just blast and blast and blast against the fathers. And that's not going to happen today. Because the truth of the matter is, is that probably if you are here or if you're at home watching, the likelihood is, is that you're serious about fatherhood and, and whether you've been perfect in the past or not, let's be clear, no, none of us ever have. Um, but if you're not a perfect father and you'd like to change some things, you being here today on Father's Day probably tells us a lot about the fact that you know God has called you to a position that you need to be your very best in. It's the most important thing that uh, you will ever do. My good friend and close friend, Philip Bender, a part of our church for years, said to me one time, he said, you know, the truth of the matter is, is that I, I tell people all the time, if they will listen, that we men often give ourselves to something that really doesn't matter. And I'm like, what do you mean? He said, because here's the truth. The people at your job that you're giving all of your best to he said, you can stick your hand in a bucket full of water and pull it out, and just as quickly as the water rushes in, that's how quickly they will replace you at work, but you will leave a hole in your family's life forever if you don't fill that role in a good and godly way. And so I would say to you men, as I shared with you earlier, never forget the importance of not just providing for your family financially, but providing for them spiritually, being the person that they ought to be. Billy Graham has great insight uh, and had great insight as he was preaching and teaching, and he nailed it when he said that our society doesn't see the value of fatherhood. But can I tell you, fathers, today I want to encourage you. 
I promise you that whatever you do and give to your children will be never forgotten, will always be rewarded, and will always be appreciated by God, your Heavenly Father. Because the truth is, is that when he refers to himself as a heavenly father, he desires for Christians to be able to know that in such a way that when they hear father that lives in heaven, hallowed be thy name, they're drawn to that rather than pushed away from that. And that is our privilege to wear the same moniker that God has said, address me as your heavenly father. Are you guys with me? Can y'all say amen? Amen. So men... Whether you've been great at it or you failed at it, today I'm here to encourage you. Now, men, y'all know we want to challenge one another to be our very best, so I'm going to be challenging you, but it's not from a position of frustration, anger, or disappointment or discouragement or anything like that. It's just that I want you guys to be your best. I want to be my best, and as much as I love being your pastor, as much as I love being your pastor... The most important thing that I am is a dad and a father and a husband. That's the most important thing that I do because God, before he ever instituted a church, he instituted the family. And so it is so vital that we take our job and our role and our opportunity very, very seriously. Let's go to our next slide here. Let me just share with you that Frederick Douglass said, it is easier to build strong children than to repair broken men. And this is so accurate because the truth of the matter is is that many of us have kind of this PTSD from the things that we have seen growing up. We've been handed a script that we're following almost without thinking, but it's not necessarily a healthy one. And so we begin, uh, we begin to father in the way that we were fathered, and that isn't always positive. So I'm going to challenge you today to be very intentional in the way that you are a father, and we're going to talk a little bit about how we can do that the very best way we possibly can. Let's Let's go to our next slide. Next week, we're beginning a, a new teaching series called The Prince of Egypt, and it's all about Moses, the man and the myth. And, um, you know, I know what y'all are thinking. Y'all are like, shouldn't we have legend on there? No, it's not like that. There's not the man, the myth, the legend. That's you guys today, all right? Fathers, all right? That's you. But no, there is a part of Moses that was the man, the actuality of who he was, and then there's kind of the myth on what we think we know about Moses. And so we're going to be covering those different things. Yeah, I, I just dropped a microphone, so that was an unintentional mic drop. <clears throat> so if you're at home, boom, bah, yeah, exactly. So if you're at home and you had a big thump in your bass speakers, I apologize, but that was going to be a problem later. I was just going to go tumbling, you know, because the, the cord was going to wrap me up. But as we look at Moses, I want to just talk with you very quickly. You'll see it next week. Moses did not have a, a normal, quote unquote normal. Everybody throw up the air quotes for me, the normal, normal upbringing. I think if you don't actually read the Bible, you probably think and have this idea that everybody in the Bible had everything perfect. And like all these Christian people and all these godly people, they were perfect people or they had perfect circumstances. Y'all come next week and I want to talk about how Moses was raised in the king's home, but he had nothing to do with being the king's son. He was basically raised in a foster home, the nicest foster home in the entire world at that time, let's be clear, but he was also dealing with the whole adopted son thing, which can be pretty complicated as you guys are fully aware. So we'll talk a little bit about this, but Moses is a perfect example of a man who 
who actually overcame the difficult circumstances that he was born into and became a good father himself. Let's go to our next slide. And this is the imperfect people that you find in the Bible. If you know the story of Abraham, he had Ishmael outside of God's plan. God said, I'm going to bless you with a son. And he said, cool, you're not doing it fast enough. Let me find my, my, my wife's handmaiden and I'm going to have a baby with her because something's wrong with my wife. All right? She can't have a child, so I'm going to have a baby with her handmaid. This is the way that it was done in the world back then. He did it, and he regretted it all of his life because there was enmity, and there still is, between the descendants of, um, uh, of Isaac uh, and uh, it, uh, pardon me, Jacob and Ishmael. It's a difficult time. You can look at Jacob or Israel, who he later changed his name to. He played favorites as a father. And so he had the 12 sons. You guys remember Joseph in the coat of many colors? You all remember that whole thing? If you look at that, he had a favorite son, and that's never healthy, right? And, and it's never funny, and it's never okay, by the way, uh, to say so-and-so is your favorite or whatever. Make sure that that never comes out of your mouth because the truth of the matter is, is that there's no better way to, sh to sow dysfunction into your own situation than to say, I like this one better than I like that one. It's a huge issue, but Jacob did, and it was a huge problem all of his life and all of his son's lives. Let's keep moving. We talk about Mordecai. You guys remember the story of Esther? I preached about this last summer. Uh, um, it is an incredible story, but if you know that story, Mordecai was actually the cousin of Esther, and he adopted her and brought her into his home and raised her like he was um, her own father. And so let's just be clear. What I'm talking about here is the Bible is chock full of people who came out of circumstances that weren't the, the, the Warden June Cleaver. I, I may be dating myself. How many of y'all in here know who Warden June Cleaver are? Please, like four of you. All right. Some of, okay. A few more than four. But yeah, the whole picture perfect, everything just right, mom stays home, never works outside the home, has dinner, oh, has dinner ready on the table. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. My wife is a hardworking woman and I actually do the cooking at my house. That's why I'm getting skinnier. Anyway, Mordecai adopts his orphan cousin and is a father figure to her. And King David, this is probably the most disturbing one on this list. This is probably the hardest one on this list, and the reason is, is that you guys have heard King David described as a man after God's own heart, right? Y'all have heard that before? Can I tell you something? He might have been a man after God's own heart, but he was no father that you wanted for yourself. He was not a good father. He had a, a son that he didn't talk to for literally years and years and years, and he exiled his son and just it's a long story and you can go back and read it but David a man after God's own heart was not a great father he was pretty disengaged with his children pursuing his own stuff and it was something that reaped a lot of terrible things in his situation well let me just say this you do not have to be perfect to be a father that actually makes an impact and I'm going to be talking all about this all day today, I'm going to be talking about this. And if you are here and you're not able to be a father because you're a woman, <laughs> let me share with you again, this stuff works for you too. This is how you can become a great parent. I'm going to challenge the men in a few extra and certain specific ways, but this is something that you can do if you're a, a, an aunt or an uncle, a, a grandmother or a grandfather, any of these roles that you have to play where you're making an influence on someone else. 
You don't have to have the perfect situation, and you don't even have to be perfect in the moment. Listen to me for a real quick second. This is so important to me to share with you guys. And I would just say, there are a lot of people that say, you know, one of these days this is going to happen and, and I'm going to blow the moment and I'm not going to be the person that I should be in that moment. And it scares them half to death. Y'all, y'all know what I'm talking about? We talk a ton about defining moments. And as a father, you probably will have a few of those. But here's what I would share with you. You can even fix it if you didn't get it right in the moment. It might not be perfect, but the imperfectness of your humanity will be a part of your fatherhood. Now, I'm going to ask mothers and men to enjoy and engage in this one. How many of you have ever said something as a parent that you just wish you'd never said? Can I get an amen? I mean, we've all been there, right? Like, man, I blew that one. (laughs) I really screwed that one up. I wanted to share the love of Jesus. I wanted to be great, but I kind of fell flat on my face. There's a little too much humanity in my response to my child. Have you ever said something to your children where you're just like, if I could keep from that ever happening again, I would? You know what you should tell your kids when that happens? Exactly what you just admitted to. If I could keep from that ever happening again, I would. I want to tell you, I'm sorry. You know what? If I could go back and handle that in a different way, I promise you I would do that. And here's the incredible thing. Sometimes, sometimes, even when you blow it in the moment, you can almost make a bigger impact by coming back, apologizing, and saying, if I could go back and redo it, I'd do it this way. I wish this is what I would have said. I'm sorry. I didn't handle that right. Then I'm just telling you, they're imperfect responses. You can have these imperfect responses. If you blow it in the moment, you can do that, and you can fix it. It doesn't fix perfectly, but you can say, starting off with, I'm sorry. Secondly, I didn't understand what you're going through. I didn't understand that this was this important to you. When I made a joke about this, I didn't realize it was going to hurt your feelings. I just didn't understand what was happening in your life. Now, All right, so I'm going to pull the curtain back. If you don't know me very well, I've raised three daughters. My youngest is 21, then I have one that is 25 and married, and then I have one that is 26 years old. So that means that I have gone through that long, lonely wilderness called teenage girls. And I promise you, I had some hilarious jokes that were just great, and I said them and they were not what I should have said. <laughs> Can I get an amen from any father in here? Uh, right, especially if you've got teenage girls at home. You know, like, you're like, ah, ha, ha, and they're like, dad, you've just injured me deeply, right? I had one situation where my daughter would do a little sleepwalking. I'm not going to tell you who it was, but it was Taryn, okay? It was Taryn. It was my middle daughter. <clears throat> so this happened in the middle of the night, She walks in and we realize that whenever she was sleepwalking, (laughs) she needed to go to the bathroom. And so we would always just, ah, you know how you are. You're laying in there. It's 3 a.m. You're like, go to the bathroom. You know, just go to the bathroom, get this over with, and then go back to bed so I can keep sleeping. And so finally, I realized I kind of, you know, wake up and it's like been 10 minutes and I have no idea where she is. And so I, I, I go, Taryn, Taryn, are you done? because I'd sent her to the toilet. She's like six years old. And she goes, I'm not dumb. 
<laughs> she thought I said that she was dumb, not done. I've never woken up so fast in my life. <laughs> I'm like, baby, baby, baby. No, no, no. Daddy didn't say you were dumb. <laughs> Daddy said, are you done going to the bathroom? I'm here to tell you, I tell that story all the time to make sure she realizes that I did not call her dumb. I asked if she was done. It's an imperfect science raising kids. And you can always go back and say, you did understand that was not what I was trying to do. I wasn't trying to make a joke out of what really hurt your feelings. You know, if I could go back and change that, I would, but I can't. So all I can do is say, I'm really sorry. Will you forgive me? <laughs> I wish I would have said this instead of saying that. You can do that all the time. So no matter who you are as a parent, you can change the imperfections and make up for those things. And it's so important to grasp that your parenting book is not fully written either. You've got chapters still yet coming along. Very quickly, Barack Obama had a very interesting thing that he said. He said, we need fathers to step up, to realize that their job does not end at conception, that what makes you a man is not the ability to have a child, but the courage to raise one. And I think that is so important and so powerful. And don't miss this. If you make daily deposits in your child's emotional bank account, you will always have a hearing for what you value. If you are a person who says, my kids are just not listening to me, the things that I'm doing and saying are not really getting through, I'm here to tell you something. Start making deposits in their emotional bank account. That's your way of saying, hey, listen, I love you. Hey, I'm proud of you. Hey, I, I just wanted you to know that you were on my mind. We weren't together today, but I wanted to let you know I'm thinking about you. And I will just tell you, it's really great if you've got a text situation that you can text your kids. I know some of you all are dealing with kids that are this small. They probably shouldn't have a cell phone and a, an IG account at age three. That's just my thought. Um, but I would say, uh, if you are texting your kids that are 23 instead of whatever, 13, 13, you know, you may be in that very uh, interesting age, you can text them and say, hey, I'm thinking about you today. Hey, I'm proud of you. I just was thinking about what God has done in my life by giving me an opportunity to be your dad. And all of those things matter, and all of those things start to add up. And then when you have something that you need to share and convey to your kid, they don't look at you as the dad that's constantly telling them what they should be doing and what they're not doing, but instead you are the one who's saying, hey, listen, I love you, I love you, I love you, I, I'm proud of you, I'm, I'm concerned about you, hey, tell me, is there anything that I can do for you? And then... Hey, listen, I saw something going on in your life, and I just want to make sure that you understand that this is a bad decision. I can see it, and I'm just trying to help you to keep you from that path. But here is another decision that reflects God's values instead. You see what I'm saying? Because if you're constantly emotionally depositing something positive in their account, that's you know, kind of the way that you get an opportunity to have a hearing whenever you try to impart to them those important decisions and values. That's how it goes. And so very quickly, I want to talk a little bit about how Solomon, the wisest man in history, gives an emotional speech to his son. Paul just read this from Proverbs chapter 3. I ask you to keep that open, maybe on your Bible app or in your, in your lap or whatever it is. We're going to talk a little bit about what he has to say, and I'm not going to give you godly wisdom. I'm going to give you God's wisdom straight from the most wise man in human history. 
And that is found in Proverbs chapter 3 that we just read. So let's go to our next slide here. And this is your something to learn. That Solomon asked God for wisdom rather than riches or success. And God was pleased and granted Solomon both. If you don't remember the story, I'm going to share a two-verse section of it from 1 Kings chapter 3. So we go to this next slide. It says, your servant, this is Solomon speaking to God because God asked him, he said, listen, I want to bless you. What is it that I can give you? Ask me anything and I will grant it to you. And here is exactly how Solomon answered that vision that he had. He said, your servant is here among the people that you have chosen, a great people, too numerous to count or number. And then he goes on, he says, so give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and distinguish between right and wrong for who is able to govern this great people of yours. In other words, Solomon said, Lord, this task is too big for me. I need you to give me wisdom so I can do it the right way. God goes on and he says, since you have asked me for wisdom instead of the death of your enemies or riches or any of these things or long life, he said, I'm going to give you all of these things that you didn't ask for and I'm going to give you wisdom like you would not believe. You guys have heard of the wisdom of Solomon before. This is how powerful it was even back in the ancient times. He was known and world-renowned for his wisdom. And wisdom is knowledge rightly applied. Now, fathers, come with me for a second. Do any of y'all ever try to help your kids with their math homework? Oh, no, 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 don't do that. Because what we used to deal with in our math homework in classes is like here, and our kids these days are like here. Can I get an amen? Like, like they're like, diagram this sentence. I'm like, mm-mm, not going to do it. You know, like here versus here. It's incredible what these kids know. They have just tons and tons and tons of knowledge. And it can make you feel pretty dumb and pretty inadequate. Can I get an amen on that or is it just me? So here's what you have to offer your kids. You have something called wisdom. At least you should and you can also ask for that because God seems to give wisdom to those who actually ask, just like he did with Solomon. But wisdom is knowledge rightly applied. Wisdom is knowledge rightly applied. I'm going to say that one more time and you guys say it with me. Wisdom is knowledge rightly applied. So here's the deal. What you have to offer is not tons and tons of knowledge, but you do have insight and say, hey, listen, I know that right now in this pandemic... Things feel crazy for you, and your headspace is full of all this stuff that feels like it's just too overwhelming to handle, and you can't even really find your footing. But I'm going to tell you, as somebody who's lived 50 years, I'm going to tell you that there were things that I thought we wouldn't live through. When I used to practice being under my desk because we thought that the Russians were going to bomb us with a nuclear weapon, right? When that was happening, I was scared to death. I lived near Tinker Air Force Base in Oklahoma City, which was on the top five strike list because they had something called the AWACS plane. And so if they were going to bomb any city, Tinker Air Force Base was going to get it, and I lived about 10 miles from there. And so I was going to be on the first group that checked out and checked into the next life, right? That was my thought when I was a kid. Can I tell you something? It didn't happen, and God saw me through. Knowledge rightly applied. Wisdom 
imparted to your children. God is going to see you through. Whatever it feels like is not the reality. Here is the reality. God's got you and he will see you through. Now, if you're a kid who thinks that everything in the world is going to end, do you think that that might be something that they want to hear from somebody who loves them? somebody who knows them, somebody who cares about them. You see what I'm saying? It's you speaking into your child's life, not helping them with their homework that you and I don't get, but sharing with them life lessons. If you look in this passage of scripture in Proverbs, what does Solomon begin with? He says, listen to my teachings, my son. I want to share something with you. The things that I've learned along my path of life, I want to share it with you. And I want you to pay special attention to it. He says some great things. He says, keep my commands in your heart. They will prolong your life for many years. They will bring you peace and prosperity. And he goes on and he shares the wisdom that God has given him. Guys, you might not be able to fix everything, You might not be able to understand everything. You might not be able to do their homework for them. But here's what I would say. You probably have a very, very special spot in their heart to share with them what God is doing in their life. And if you don't do it, there probably won't be anybody who does. My kids can have a thousand friends, but they get one dad, and that's me. And so I would love to be their friend, but I'm going to be their daddy first and their friend a distant, distant second. Men, can I get an amen? But men, men, can I get an amen? Amen? This is our deal. This is our thing. This is our spot and this is our role. We don't give it to anybody else. You step forward and you be the man who conveys to them the godly wisdom that he's let you see and see through. So very quickly, let's talk about our big idea. Great fathers are never perfect, but great fathers are always persistent. That means no matter what you've done or haven't done in the past, you still have time to write the story. And I promise you, even if you were a great father from the beginning, you would not be perfect. There's only one that's perfect, right? Only one. And so because of that, we don't have to be perfect but we have to be persistent. We can't give up. And men, we've got to be very, very careful that no matter who their mom is or is not, that their dad is my responsibility. My responsibility. I can't give that role away. It might be difficult to be in their lives because who their mom is. Just keeping it real. You guys with me? You guys here? It might be difficult. Don't give up. Stay persistent. You don't have a perfect situation, but you have to stay persistent that you have that role in their life. So great fathers are never perfect, but great fathers are always what? Persistent. Let's say this together very quickly on the count of three. Ready? One, two, three. Great fathers are never perfect, but great fathers are always persistent. All right, let's move it. Let's go. Next. Okay, there is a great quote in here, and you can barely see it, but it's from Stephen Covey, the guy who wrote Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And what he says is that about 90% of the time, planes that are in the air are off course. 
They are constantly needing correction in their course. And so they're heading this direction, maybe going from here to Seattle. And so they're a little off course, and then they bring it back. And then they kind of get a little off course this way, and then they got to bring it back. And 90% of that flight, they will be off course But they almost always end up exactly where they're supposed to be. Why? Because it is constantly being course corrected by a GPS that pulls them there. You guys with me? In a family, men, you can set the tone and the tenor of a family in incredible ways. You as a dad have an opportunity to constantly course correct. And can I just say something? The way that I did this in my family is this. I built it in. Because I knew that if I were waiting for it to actually kind of happen by accident, it would never happen. So we constantly had family dinners where their phones were gone, my phone was gone, and we sat down and we talked. And if something wasn't right in the family, I can promise you there were times where I was sitting at that table and I said, hey, listen, there's something that I don't like that's going on. I'm seeing a trend and I don't like it. Girls, y'all are not treating your mother with the respect that she needs. You're being too hateful to one another. You got to stop that, and it stops today. And I'm, wa- I'm watching close, and I'm warning you that you won't like it if you keep treating your sisters this way. I did it on purpose because now that was the rare thing, but I did have to have it built in. You guys with me? You understand what I'm saying? If you build it in, you have that opportunity to say something, and you can course correct and bring the family in the direction that you want it to be. Now, I want to share something with you from Deuteronomy chapter 6, and I want you to hear. If you don't build this in, you will miss these chances, and you will look back on your life and say, man, I wish I would have done these things when I had the opportunity to make the influence on my kids that I had. Deuteronomy chapter 6 tells us this, that we don't accidentally do it, but that we intentionally do it. And that it doesn't happen one time, but it happens over and over and over again. This is what God prescribes. You'll hear some words in this passage of scripture that we're about to share that sound very familiar. But I want you to listen close and see how God says to do it. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commands that I give you today are to be on your hearts. And then he goes on. Impress them on your what? Children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road. Now, you don't walk along the road. You drive. But that's a great time to share God's truths with your kids. And when you lie down and when you get up, tie them as symbols on your hands And bind them on your foreheads, write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. In other words, you've got to be intentional and you've got to be practical and you've got to be constant and persistent if you're going to impart the things of God to your kids. If you don't, then they won't get it because it is very hard to find God in our society these days. Amen. Isn't that right? And so we've got to be intentional. And dads, it's your choice and your responsibility. We can do this, but we've got to be intentional. Okay, so very quickly, I want to share with you very quickly some of the things that we can do and what we can teach like Solomon did. Let's go to our next slide. First, you teach the kids who they are. I want to teach my kids who you are. 
And just very quickly, if you look and read in Solomon's words to his sons, he says some things. Let's go to our next slide. He says, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding, and all your ways submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. You've probably heard this passage of scripture before, but men, listen, if the wisest man who ever lived tells his son to not trust in what he's sharing or what he thinks in his own heart, but instead to rely on the Lord, I promise you and I need to point them to God and not to us. Can I get an amen? I mean, the truth is, is that if Solomon couldn't say, just follow what I did, son, but instead he says, trust the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding, but instead always acknowledge God and he's going to make your path straight. If the wisest man on earth could not point to say, follow me, but instead follow him, then I promise you all of us should be saying, follow him, not follow Now, here's what you and I need to know and what we need to impart to our kids. And it's kind of summed up in two pictures from the internet. Check it out. It's right here. First of all, your children don't need to be asked to do things that, you know, somebody from MIT can only handle, right? I mean, that's the one on the left. Don't ask your kids to do what they're incapable of doing. But then on the right, that, that's, that's a little thing that we call don't skip leg day, bro. I mean, right? See that? Don't skip leg day, bro. Here's the deal. Your children will try to avoid the things that they don't like. Can I get an amen on that, right? They don't like it when they do things that they don't want to do. There's some things they enjoy. They'll do it all day long, every day, all day. But then there's things that actually improve them as people, And they will not do those things unless you insist and sometimes demand and make them. That's why a lot of our kids are unbalanced, just like the ones on the right. You see what I'm saying? But also don't forget, your kids are kids. And the reason that they are making mistakes is because you (laughs) were worse when you were a child. Can I get an amen? I mean, come on, let's be honest. Like, thank God my kids are not like I was when I was a kid. Oh, it's just me? Okay, whatever. Y'all are liars. All right. Sorry. Let's keep moving here. (laughs) Let's go to our next slide. And this is so important. You know, if your job doesn't need something done, you are out of a job. If you don't do things at your job that you've been hired to do, you get fired. We know this. But when we roll it into the idea of parenting, we get mad that our kids aren't finished products when they're 13 years old. You're old enough to know better. You're old enough to know better. And we get angry and frustrated and we we tell them that they're wrong for needing a parent in their life to show them the way and guide them. I thank God that even when my kids moved out, that they still need me. Now, they don't need me like they did when they were three years old and couldn't make a bowl of cereal, but they need me to say, hey, this is a good idea. This is a bad idea. Should I break up with this guy or should we get really serious and maybe move towards marriage? Man, I'm glad I've got a chance to say something at that time. See what I'm saying? So 
Here is what Paul David Tripp says. If your eyes ever see or your ears ever hear the sin, weakness, or failure of your children, it's never an accident and it's never a hassle, but it's always God's grace. God has put them into a family of faith so that you, fathers, can be a tool of his rescue and his transformation. Every time my kid does not meet the expectation or the hope, it's because God's giving me one more chance to teach them a lesson of how to be the right kind of person, to be the godly kind of person that they're not quite there yet. And you know what? I still have a father in my life, and I thank God that he's 82 years old and still a father in my life. And there are still times that I call my dad up and I say, what do you think I should do? How would you handle this? I should have it all figured out, but I don't. And God is still using him in my life to guide me down a godly path. And for that, I am grateful. And I'm also grateful that when I call him, he doesn't go, you should know this by now. I thought you were a smart kid. It's always God's grace to me when my child needs me to speak a word for God in their life. If you act like it's an imposition, then they will stop coming to you. If you act like they're an idiot just for asking, or if you're exasperated because you've gone over this ground with them before, they will stop coming to you and you won't have the chance to ever develop them into a different person. You guys understand what I'm saying? It's God's grace to us, but we have to accept it as such instead of a frustration. All right. Sorry. I got down to meddling there for a minute, didn't I? Let's keep moving here. Let's keep going. You know what? I just simply don't have time, but I will say that in the middle of a rational or an emotional parent is the, is the, the royal parent, the person who combines the blue and the red together to make purple and it is a beautiful thing if you can balance being rational and emotional because your children need both it will be a blessing to you I don't have time but um, you can actually go back and listen to that I think I talked about that in Mother's Day all right so what else did Solomon teach his sons let's go ahead and jump down what do you teach them who they are how they need God whether they think they do or not also what you value what do you value? Let's go to our next slide. Blessed are those who find wisdom, gain understanding, for she, that wisdom. Wisdom is more profitable than silver, yields better returns than gold. She's more precious than rubies, and nothing you desire can compare to her. Here's what I would say. If your kids don't grasp that they need wisdom, show them that the most important thing is not money or riches or fame or success, but show them it's godliness and wisdom because all the other stuff just like in Solomon's life, it always follows. Let's keep moving. Uh, let's go to our what to teach uh, number C here, how you connect to God. Solomon taught his son how to connect to God. And this is so important and so valuable. Whenever he talks about where to turn in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 11 and 12, here's what he says. My son, don't despise the Lord's discipline. Don't resent his rebuke because the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father, the son he delights in. Here's what he's showing, that it's not always easy but it is always valuable to follow the Lord. And even in the hard times, you turn to God and not away from God. 
We all know that hard times will come, don't we? Always happens. So when that happens, here is the question. Do you turn to the Lord or away from the Lord? If you don't teach your children what discipline feels like, if you don't demand from your children their best even when they don't want to give it, when God does that of his children, your child, they will turn away because they're unfamiliar. So discipline your children with love and respect, but do so because God does discipline his children and there are hard times and we should turn to our father, not away from our father. And that's so important. All right, here's how you apply this message. I'm gonna just tell you, guys, flip the script. Today is Father's Day. You're gonna get phone calls from your kids or maybe cards from your kids and they're gonna say, hey, dad, love you. Proud that you're my dad. I appreciate you. Thanks for all that you've done for me. Here's what you can do. Flip the script and use this as an opportunity to begin pouring into your kids every day with praise and appreciation. When they say, hey, dad, thanks for what you've done. No, 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 thank you because I'm so proud of you as my son. I'm so proud of you as my daughter. I want, to, I want you to know... I'm so glad to be your dad. You matter to me, and it's been great. Thank you so much. So you flip the script. They praise you. You turn around and do it, and then begin to do that constantly and pouring into those children that God has brought into your life. All right. I'm going to end with a story, and I'm going to try my very best to make it very quick because uh, my time is just, it's already done. So let's go to our next slide. You guys know this. This is what? Mount Rushmore. You notice President Lincoln. You you notice George Washington. That's Thomas Jefferson. And then the one that's kind of the third from the left is a little unknown. That is actually Theodore Roosevelt, the first uh, conservationist as president, the guy who kind of invested and put into place the, uh, the national park system. And so he's there kind of remembered and memorialized on Mount Rushmore. He was the greatest outdoor president we've probably ever had. And if you don't know anything about his story, you would think, well, he's just big into outdoors. He's kind of the mountain man, big deal, you know, all that, that he's always naturally had and naturally cared about. But I want to show you a picture of him when he was younger. Uh, This is him. You would think, looking at him here, you go, well, of course. I mean, look at him. This is when he was actually with a group called the Rough Riders and volunteered to be in a war that was going on. I mean, that's a man's man, and that is a mustache. Can I get an amen? I mean, come on. That's awesome. Man's man. Here's him as a little child and as a little boy. Now, if you don't know anything about his growing up, here's what happened to him when he was growing up. Basically, he was called T.D., not Theodore, but Teddy, not Teddy, but Teddy, because he was always inside. He was always sick. He was a little child who suffered from asthma, and there was a question on whether or not he would even live to see his 10th birthday. As a matter of fact, his mom was told by the doctors, there's a lot of problems with this child. His lungs aren't developed, and so you need to be very careful. Don't let him extend himself or exert himself too much. He was just going to be an indoor kid all of his life. He kept getting worse and worse and worse. And towards his 10th birthday, they'd done everything that the doctors had told them to do. But Theodore Roosevelt's dad said, you know what? This ain't working. 
This ain't working. Whatever they're telling us to do is only making him sicker and he's getting worse. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to do what I think we should do. And he steps in and he puts in a gym in his, in his home and he begins to teach his son how to live outdoors and how to lift weights and how to be a guy who is actually an outdoorsman instead of an indoor kid all of his life. Theodore Roosevelt grows confident. He grows healthier. He develops strength that he never knew that he had. And he grows from being a guy who is known as Teddy to being known as Teddy, the guy that they named Teddy Bears after because dude always was outdoors and out in the woods kind of dealing with bears and everything else that was found out there. All because a father said, no, 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 no. This is the right way. Let's do it this way. He had wisdom to see that his child needed a father's influence and his input in his life. And so if you know the rest of the story, you know that Teddy Roosevelt goes on and becomes a president. There's a picture of him as he's older, one of the coolest presidents, and became so strong that literally he took a bullet to the chest during a speech while he was out there trying to be elected, took the bullet to the chest, finished his teaching the things that he said and basically kept going and kept on the campaign trail to win the election of the United States and president. And so I'm telling you, this man became something, but here's what his father told him when he was a kid. He said, you have a mind, but do you, not, you do not have the body. And without the help of the body, the mind cannot go as far as it should. So you, Teddy, have to make your body and remake it to what you want it to be. I mean, wow, isn't that awesome? I mean, a father speaking into his son and changing the course of his life through a single declaration and then pursuing that place that he sees him going. For you, I don't know what you want for your children. I don't know what you want for your kids, but I do know this, speak it. Share it with them and then begin to work and pray as best you can to make it happen in their life and be blessed as you do. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the time that we've had around your word. May we as fathers be the men that you would have us to be and may we be the people who can make a difference in the lives of our children. May we be faithful and may we be people who follow the lead that you have given us. In Jesus' name we pray.